Hello, listeners. Welcome to another edition of Hack Attack and Pharaoh. Please stay tuned after this episode for outtakes, bloopers, and a little bit more fun. And remember, please mind the gap between the train and the platform. And welcome to episode three of Hack Attack and the Pharaoh. Tonight, it's a special, special guest, the Patrick Coffee. Oh my God. I suppose that's how I'm known now. The Patrick Coffee. <laughs> now, coffee, not spelled like the drink, but there's always been this great thing that I'd love to say is uh, your nickname is Coffee House. I call you like in my phone. It's like Coffee House. Mm-hmm. Yep. Coffee House. But it's not spelled coffee like the drink. It's mm-hmm. C-O-F-F-E-Y. Yep. Now, why does this matter? Why do we want Patrick on the show? Why does the why matter? <laughs> <laughs> Patrick has had a very interesting life. It's... Uh, Okay, first of all, how long have we been friends? How long have we known each other? Do the um, math. You're very good at the... Uh... Seven years. Okay, so seven years. Yeah. And in the seven years, now don't take this the wrong way, I have never seen a friend go through more dramatic life events in short succession like you. Yeah. It's pretty wild. This guy has had, in the time I've known him, two open heart surgeries gone through a few pretty intense relationships with, with women and is an intense guy all around. And besides that, we have shared some intense, intense adventures together. We have canoed a wilderness river in Quebec. We have been porters, food and water porters, for a German television shoot in the middle of July in the San Rafael Swell where literally lives were at stake because if we didn't find them in this vast wilderness... They didn't eat or drink. Hold on just one second, Patrick. I, yep. I want to ask a question about Jason's life and death experiences. Yes. Now, I find that when he tells these stories, oftentimes it seems like they're fairly avoidable. Was this one avoidable? Oh, no, we actually signed up for that one. Quite, quite literally. Uh, so you signed, signed up, up. to, signed up to the... look death in the face. Yeah. yeah and and spit in his eye. Okay. Okay. So the so when we say, and we were near death, you guys were like, no, oh, but we, that's what we were looking for. We were for. fine. It was the folks that we were supporting that would have oh. been without our... Without you guys. Yes. Now, our, did you guys, did they know you were putting them in harm's way? They didn't know who we were, so they didn't know... The, yes, until they met so us. So they had signed was, up for like a day hike, and then you guys took them oh on. Oh, no, this we're, this we're, story. We're, we're, we're going to get there. Uh, I was building a teaser. A- <laughs> I was building anticipation. But I but that's just a teaser, Patrick. Well, I think we did it, yeah. We're going to start. Let's go back. Let's start way back. Mm-hmm. Um, and Well, back, well first of all, we're going to talk about um, uh, the BDC, the club that you're in. Oh, we are. Later on. <laughs> Oh, oh, well, viewers would love to hear I that. Did, I did okay. say, I did I say. I want to hear all about that. That sounds exciting. How, okay, so we've got the setup. I think, I think we've got the setup here that Patrick is a very interesting man, especially because he's been friends with you for so long, and he still comes over. He's actually doing your podcast. He's still around. He's still around. Okay, so let's, let's get to that first epic question, or epic, or no, what would be a good word for uh, epic? Hopefully straight Okay, forward. what do you I, that's what I want to know. I want to I want to get to that first question, the okay. start off, the kickoff question. Okay, so the kickoff question, we're going to go back. We're going to go way back. All right. Into early life, into early Patrick life. Patrick has a background in perhaps one of the most interesting and unique and I say underrated sports on the planet Earth, biathlon. 
Do you know what biathlon is, Pharaoh? I do not. You don't? Patrick here does. Not only does he have a background. Well, I would hope so. Not only does he have a background in biathlon, but he coached it on the highest level. It's very exciting. So, like peewee level? Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> biathlon, for the record, is... No, I mean it's cross-country skiing combined with marksmanship. The rifle, I do know, and the skate ski racing combined. So rifle marksmanship—it's amazing. It's huge in Scandinavia. It's very popular in other parts of the country, uh, world, and here in America, they're like biathlonawa. Yeah. But you have a background in it. I want to hear how did you start in biathlon? How old were you, and why biathlon? And wow, it's it's always well. The very, very, very beginning. I was about five feet, maybe 100 pounds as a freshman in high school uh, trying to play hockey, which you can imagine how that was going <laughs> since you were a hockey player. You, you know what you would do if you saw a kid my size down in the corner. I would, you know, you'd, make you a warm cup of milk. And, you would uh, line me up. You would line they're me not up. allowed to do those things anymore. Oh, man. <laughs> well, it all worked out because then I was like, I need a non-contact sport. <laughs> But I need a <laughs> rifle. I need yeah, a exactly. rifle. That was, yeah. I was like, wait a minute. Um, no, I started cross-country skiing, immediately got into biathlon. Um, was never very successful with it and became a coach because of that. I mean, I always say I lucked out. I had surgery, didn't race anymore, started coaching. Now, but you took like like it to a duck to water. I mean, you could biathlon. You know, you, you, oh, yeah. You, you can hit a target and you got the skate ski. I've seen you skate ski, man. Yeah. I mean, and you eat humble pie all the time. But you can skate ski. This guy's. So what was the surgery? What was the. You got injured? It so was, this guy has had three open heart surgeries in his lifetime. Tell us, first of all, what was wrong with your heart at birth? Um, at birth so, yeah, genetic defect, bad aortic valve. I had a bicuspid instead of tricuspid valve. Oh. So two leaflets were fused together, and then there was a third or a second, as it were, wimpy one. Oh, a wimpy one. You yeah, a wimpy ass aortic valve, man. Yep. <laughs> you can pick your parents. Hampered What's the matter me. with you? Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you had that at like age 20, 19? I had the surgery at 21. Oh, my God. But I had no idea. I had but, no idea there was anything wrong until about eight months before the surgery. What was happening? I, <laughs> I injured my knee playing intramural soccer during college. Um, and I had to do a, uh, like minor surgery. I had to do, huh. um, had to see a doctor for a physical before the minor knee surgery. <laughs> He's like, well, let's take a listen to your heart. Yeah. No, I mean, no, normally shit. they would look at a, you know, training 21 year old or 20 year old at the time and be like, yeah, you're fine. You're going to go and outpatient surgery with a little scar on your knee. But she did a full workup and heard a murmur and no eight months way. later was round one. If you were filleted open. Yeah. Right through the front for, door. For, <laughs> right through that front door. My God. Cyan half like a magic trick. So were you, is biathlon, is it a collegiate level sport? No, no. It's okay, so. um, kind of in starts and fits around the country. And then um, there is an organized U.S. national team that's based out of Lake Placid, New York. That, And I love one of the things is, oh, that's an Olympic sport. And you're like, yeah, that's like three weeks every four years. Right. And it's it's just a world championship. And there's an entire season every, every winter. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's it's hard to describe. It'd be like going over to Finland and trying to tell them that baseball's yeah. a big deal. They'll be like, So where really? were you in, <laughs> as far as your career yeah. as a biathlete, where were you when you found out you're having 
sounds like career-ending surgery. I mean, wasn't even making a junior national team. Okay. So it's not like I was setting the world but on you were fire. Competitive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Stubborn. So stubborn that that'll yeah that'll take you places. Um, but yeah, I mean, I started. I moved to Montana. Worked at a Nordic Center. Moved back to Vermont. Started coaching at twenty. Is that where you're from, Vermont? Vermont. Yep. Yeah. Dear, dear Essex, Vermont. So, coaching, coaching what mm-hmm. level? Because this is pretty impressive. Your resume is pretty astounding. So you, the U.S. national team. Yeah, yeah, U.S. national team for five years. And that took you all over the world. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Talk about lucky. What were some <laughs> of the favorite places you went? Um, uh, some of the little villages in northern Italy are just incredible. Um, Ridnown is spectacular. Uh, Fornia Valtry was a very interesting spot. Estonia was amazing. Um, Slovenia is beautiful. I heard Slovenia is beautiful in the springtime. Yeah, really? Estonia, where Melania's from? Melania Trump? <laughs> Isn't she Bulgarian? Oh. We are checking this right now. It's being, it's right now. Where is Melania Trump from? I must know. Well, okay. So you have this heart surgery at 21. Mm-hmm. You're in the zipper club. You're filleted yeah. open. Then at that point, you start coaching. Mm-hmm. Yep. You had started biathlon in high school mm-hmm. and worked through, you know, through college you were doing it. Mm-hmm. You were competitive. Suddenly, oh, we got it here. Melania Trump is a Slovenian. Oh. Well, well, well. She has a beautiful home country. Look at that. <laughs> you went there. Yep. Nice. Look at you. Mm-hmm. Look at you. See these, <laughs> these Eastern European countries that many of us you know, have never been to. So you're... You're you're coaching on the on on the international level. Mm-hmm. You're traveling with the team. You're yep. seeing the world. Mm-hmm. This is this this is amazing. But in the midst of all this, tell me about role. Oh my yeah. So that's back in 2001. I was with a group of seven other people. We roller skied the Alaska Highway, and I always have to emphasize roller skied. There was no roller skating going on. <laughs> <laughs> Very so different. as in, as in emulating different. Nordic skis with wheels on them and the poles. Yes. And you made a documentary about this. I've mm-hmm. seen it. Yeah. And this guy narrates it. It's hilarious. You had like bleach tips. What, mm-hmm. what year is this? Is it like the early 2000s? 2001, right? I think. Yeah, 2001. You have like bleach tips and you're like a total, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I yeah. love it. You're of the era. <laughs> and how long did this take? This is an incredible feat. This is, so you did this all with a bad heart before you knew you had a bad heart. Yep. Exactly. Uh, took us seven and a half days to cover a little over 1,500 miles. 1,500 miles yeah. of the Alaska Highway. Yep. And, and you made a documentary. It's called Roll. Mm-hmm. What a classic. Yeah. Look at this guy. So what was happening with your heart during that time? Did you feel uh, lagging performance? Did you have any sus- suspicion that something was wrong with you? I think it was hard to know because it had just been there. So everything seemed normal. But I did have issues in Alaska Got back to Bozeman, Montana, where I was living at that time, mm. and was with my brother. We made it all the way to Salt Lake, and I ended up in an emergency room. No way. And that's when, yeah, I remember a doctor looked at me. She said, we're either doing surgery or you're getting on a plane and going home to get to have surgery. And, yeah, my sister will never forgive me because we were supposed to meet her in Las Vegas, <laughs> and I ruined it. <laughs> she makes this about her. My God. My God, just like sisters. They're the worst. <laughs> So by the time your coaching career ends, mm-hmm. how old were you? 30, 
33, 32. Now, now this 32. was this was the turning point because mm-hmm. this is how you ended up coming to Utah. Yes. Not specifically just Utah, Park City, and it's yep. changed your life. Oh, yeah. So tell me about that era and what happened. Well, I was doing what everyone would say you shouldn't. I was dating an athlete. Right. Okay. We're going to talk about her. We're, okay. We're, this we're is, going this, into this, that later. This is the first relationship. This is wild. Okay. Tell us about this relationship. From the beginning or from well, the end? <laughs> okay. Okay. Give, 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 give Ironically, the... the end was really the most... Uh... Well... Well, you we we you you can catch us up to the end, but yeah. you start dating an athlete. Tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about her. What drew you to her? How was it going? And the and ultimately what happened? Because this is like the the first sort of what your big first heartbreak, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I had been married before that, but right. Not to take oh, away, forget not, that. Not, not to take away from Liz. Um, <laughs> no, I okay. Yeah, all right, I, I'm gonna interrupt you. So you say people ask you when you've been married, and what do you say? Only twice. Only twice. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Yep. Okay. We're jumping ahead. Liz, tell, walk us through Liz real quick. Um, Your first wife. High school sweetheart. Amazing, amazing person. We were best friends and a little too stubborn. And we just, yeah, we were supposed to be that perfect couple. We we're supposed to be together. We we're supposed to get married. We we're supposed to just make it work. And we, she was in medical school and I was coaching and we just, we kind of chose our own paths over the relationship. Oh man. Yeah. But I mean, she's in Idaho now, remarried two kids, pediatric yeah. pathologist, I believe. Damn. And probably still an amazing person. Holy shit. So no hard I'm, feelings. Almost guarantee it. Oh, how long were you, man. how long were you married? Married three years, but it was a 13-year relationship. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, so flashing forward, you meet this athlete, and mm-hmm. you do the taboo thing. You yep. date an athlete. Yep, which not so taboo in the European realm. Yeah, well, of course not. Turns out we're Americans, though. No, no, totally understand. It's, uh, Jason and I are both you know, theater, theater um, practitioners. And, uh, you know, you get into that thing where all you're doing is hanging out with, you know, who you work with, especially if you're going to school with them, Mm -hmm. you know, eight hours a day. And then you got four, five hours worth of rehearsal and you're doing it six days a week. I mean, this is this is theater. Yeah. But I'm assuming that you're doing 10, 12 hour days. It's it's a traveling circus. Yeah, exactly. And that's who you're around. I mean, you know, there's a few of us. Maybe the hack attack that can go into a bar and pick somebody up, but uh, pick up a total stranger. But a lot of us, you know, we maybe. Okay, (laughs) I was trying to be nice, Um, but yeah, so absolutely. But at the same time, they say don't date. You know, don't eat. You know, shit where you eat. But yeah, exactly. Day one, they said day one of the theater department, they they were saying. Do not date each other. I say again, do not date each other because what mm-hmm. if you're Romeo to her Juliet? Yeah. You know, a year from, it crashes and burns now, and then your cast opposite is you know, lovers. It could be yeah. disastrous. Yep. No, it's, uh, I would do it again a thousand times out of a thousand because there would have been no, I don't know what else I would have done. There was no, sure. there was no avoiding this. There was no getting around it. There was no willing it away. So she was um, sending you vibes too. Sure. No, no, there was, it was very mutual. Um, I think, uh, 
she, I I had been smitten for years because I, I mean, you were talking about how small of a of a world I was living in with biathlon. So I mean, I knew who she was. I knew of her. Um, had met her a few times and uh, knew that I was um, really taken. And it was a mutual friend that I had confided in that told her, um, which, of course, I was happy about. <laughs> Please sure. don't tell her. But, um, yeah, she found out. She felt the same. We started dating. And it was a three-year relationship, I believe. So this is – where was she from? Saranac Lake, New York. Okay. Oh, yeah. But you guys were traveling the world together. We, I mean, kind of running in the same circles internationally. Yes, ironically, because there's the World Cup and the IBU Cup. So it's like the major leagues and minor leagues. Um, We weren't always on the same schedule. She would be racing in the World Cup. I would be coaching on the IBU Cup. We might be on the same circuit. We might, most of the time, we were on different circuits because she was generally on the World Cup circuit. I was coaching on the IBU Cup circuit. Yeah. So is this, I don't know if you've seen the movie Up in the Air. But where he oh. runs into that, you know, he runs into the other woman or he runs I into know. that woman and they're yep. both, you know, they work for different companies, mm-hmm. but they have to lay out their day planners so they can figure out what city they're going to be in yep. at the same time. I was I was told I should see it. Um, yeah, you should. I would probably relate. Yes. Well, I mean, because this guy, he lives his life on airplanes. Yeah. And that's who he ends up again mm-hmm. that's who he ends up kind of falling in love with or yeah. having uh an intense relationship with mm-hmm. is yeah. someone in his same boat and yeah. his in his shoes and there's a scene where they throw out their day planners and go well are you in this city at this time yeah. well i'll be over in this city actually and it's not too far and you know so that's what this sounds like and there it sounds epic many other relationships like that with international relationships one of our athletes married a german athlete um, I knew of some pretty sorted affairs between coaches and media. There were and, and the media. Oh yeah, that definitely sounds yeah, no, like they, a no-no. The paparazzi. When I say traveling circus, I'm talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Not, it's not just coaches and. I need to make athletes. a movie about biathletes. It's media. It's <sighs> it's it's the techs. It's the TV crew. It's, um, yeah. It's it really is just uh, all the wax techs. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> oh, the sexy wax. I, seriously, they are they are the rock stars of mm, the of unsung the heroes of the biathlon world. They just they they party hard and ski even harder. <laughs> and crazy. they wax hardest. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. And then they wax the skis. <laughs> They're like seals. Yeah. <laughs> so how did it end? Now this all sounds well and good, but we know. It is not to yeah. be, shall we? Yeah. What happened? Um, I just was not handling life well. And she's such a happy, happy person. And I was really stressed out. And I was just not adding to that happiness. I was taken away from it. So, wow. yeah, that was. I understand. I do that all the time. <laughs> I do that with Jason and I. Yeah. That's our relationship. just sucks like an anchor on my neck. Yeah. I don't know what to do. How do I break it to him? I don't know. <laughs> I got sunshines, lollipops, and rainbows next to me, and then Mr. <laughs> Eeyore, rain cloud. Uh, yeah. Yep, basically. But look at you. So goddamn good at podcasts. That's what keeps us yeah. together. <laughs> uh, so, so, but you were engaged. Yes. And what happened to the Little, engagement? Yeah. That was it. I mean, that we were. She called it off. Yeah. 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 She. She and called it, it off. And it was like traumatic, right? Like she, she, she. It was sort of abrupt and inexplicable. It was. Over the course of a few weeks, 
it oh, was um, but yeah it was it was heart wrenching and at first I took it really well and then I didn't and then mm-hmm. I did and then I, I didn't came and in waves I did, and then I left <laughs> so and this is the turning point for you in your life with Utah so you're heartbroken you're mm-hmm. you're you're gutted you're cut open and you have an offer mm-hmm. to come to Utah tell us about that um no I uh Usually the way that I tell the story when they, when people ask about, um, the end of the coaching career, I say that I was burned up and just, you know, needed a break and, and had to, uh, move on. But the reality is I was let go after about six months. (laughs) So really just because of where you were at personally or yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I kind of signed my own. Yeah. (laughs) Sealed, sealed my own future, I would say, because um, I told Jason I was going to be honest. Um, so, yeah, with that, this was Thanksgiving. Um, it was kind of surreal because I had my whole winter planned, had my plane tickets booked, had, you know, all the races, everything all set up, ready to go. Um, and that was also abrupt. So this is now in a five-month span. I lose essentially – your lady, relationship job. I lose job and house um do what any reasonable 32 year old would do which is go back to their parents house and as a friend of mine said circled the wagons um <laughs> yep yep absolutely um my coach growing up lives in park city he knew everything that happened um and he said uh come on out come check out park city <clears throat> so i got a job drove out epic i'm very proud of this Burlington, Vermont to Park City, solo, 36 hours. Nice. Very good. Yeah, Yeah, it was, it was not dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) I was, I was wired. I was wide awake the whole time. Yeah. Fueled by Red Bull and. Hopped up on Red Bull and cigarettes. (laughs) Just like the captains on uh, Deadliest Catch. (laughs) So a few, so what, a few years, months go by, you get that job. That's when we met. You were the program director. So I was only between jobs for about three weeks. Um, yeah, I got out to Utah fast. Obviously, when everything went sideways, I really had no reason to stick around. Um, no, I just I took a job at a bike and ski shop, um, which turned out to be very fortuitous because from there it grew into running a Nordic Center and... Then I was running a um, summer programs guiding service, and that's where I met Jason because he was one of our guides. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. <laughs> that was magical. I remember, you know, meeting you. I thought, wow, damn, this guy's a fucking cool guy, and we really hit off. And so, but Utah has changed your life. So, mm-hmm. moving, you know, clipping along through this, it's it's a crazy series of events how it unfolded. So yeah, I'm I'm one of the rock climbing hiking guides and Patrick is the boss of the guides and we just built this great rapport from the get-go. But Utah you know, slowly started becoming more and more an important part of your life. Then you met then you met who would be ultimately your second wife. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and so tell us about this cuz this is like a whirlwind. I blame my sister. <laughs> oh man this no is, this, she this has is a crazy. very different um, i want to hear your story and i'm going to tell you my side of the story yeah um, this is wild 
So this is actually somebody, this, ironically, the two women I've been married to, I went to high school with. Um, this is one of my sister's friends from high school. And I'm living in Utah, had to fly home for my sister's wedding. Amazing wedding. Um, and I met Christina there. And I knew her from growing up, but um, yeah, just kind of, yeah, knew of her. Ships met. in the night until one night you yep. ported in the same harbor. Yes. Yes, I did. Um, <laughs> sorry, I had to. Uh, no, she was living in New Hampshire at the time. So really, yeah, doing a great job. Yep. Yep. Move to Utah and meet somebody that lives that in lives in the New Hampshire. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Smooth. Um, so we pursued a long distance relationship and that was going pretty well. Um, uh, this the one one of the the nuggets of the story is I actually owned a house in Park City. Um, next thing I do is propose and I sell the house and I move to New Hampshire. It was crazy. <clears throat> so by the time I'm like all attached to this guy and we're bosom buddies, he's out of there. He's gone Twitter paid it over this girl and he's out of there. Mm-hmm. And he had this great place on the line. The line that's slaying in Park City. The line is this group of. Uh, old historic houses on Deer Valley Boulevard on the way to Deer Valley. But in the old days, it was the brothels and all the whorehouses. It was the line of, yeah, brothels. Yep. Yep. So you lived in a renovated whorehouse. Yeah, yeah. I actually <laughs> painted the, the porch light bulb red. <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> and Patrick was this reliable guy. You, you, could, you could walk by. I was driving cab at the time. You could drive by, honk, and he was always, inevitably, if it was summertime, out on his porch, shirtless, smoking a cigar. <laughs> This boss guy. One time, and on Fourth of July, I played rugby in the park, uh, you know, down the road, and I sprained my ankle really bad in a rugby yeah. game, and I limped all the way up to your house, and my ankle's the size of a grapefruit, and like you're just out there smoking a cigar on your porch, and you, you know, we ice down the <laughs> ankle, and it's just like I always knew where and what Patrick was doing. He was my, he's my boy. You're my boy, Blue. Yeah. You're my boy. So suddenly, he's going back to New Hampshire. He's being taken away. Yes. And it was a whirlwind. You're there like a year, right? 11 months. You're there 11 months. This is the engagement. You got engaged. Yeah. Yeah, we were engaged, and then I moved a few weeks later to New Hampshire, lived in New Hampshire for 11 months, got married, had an amazing honeymoon. Hold on. Amazing the, wedding. The, don't, don't, you're, I feel like you're going <laughs> to blow the punchline here. Okay. I go to this wedding. I go to this wedding, right? It's at the it's at the Mount Washington Hotel, this historic, you know, place up in the White Mountains in New Hampshire. It's gorgeous, gorgeous, waspy ass wedding, man. It was mm-hmm. like so white yeah. and so rich and yeah. so New Englandy, and yeah, not a person yeah. of color in sight. It was crazy, and nope. so much money being yeah. dropped on this thing. Yep, and like really fairy fairy tale and the whole nine yards, and. Your your girl is sweet, man. Oh, absolutely. So, but I gotta tell you, I had my concerns after a few months. Yeah, you were one of the few. So here, hold on. Sorry, Jason's whining and barking. He's gotta go. <laughs> He's gotta go outside for a second. Lift a leg. <laughs> the neighbors, the neighbors All love right. when that happened. Right. <laughs> I exposed my cards. I got a new Australian cattle dog puppy. It's nine weeks old. His name's Perth. He's a great scrappy little gritty guy, but he is driving me crazy. And he's playing with Patrick's uh, Pitbull Stella, and they are running amok. So that is the ambient background noise you hear. Let's get a sound bite of this. There we go. There we go. Oh, oh. 
Yes. Oh, yep. Sounds pretty good to me. Don't be fooled. That's Jason. <laughs> so, please forgive. Okay. I was worried, bro. I'm going I'm to shoot you straight. I was worried. Yeah. Um, she was always gone. She was always gone. And yeah. the first year of marriage, yep. you think that's when you're fucking your brains out like rabbits and spending <laughs> all the time together. <laughs> yeah, he laughs. He laughs. Yes. And I'll tell you why he laughs and why the dogs are outraged as well. <laughs> I remember one time. All right. What do you have to say to that, first of all? Well, I was, I was kind of waiting for you to set me up on that one. Um, <laughs> okay, I can, set, I, I can set you up further. Yeah, it was... Um, boy... There was just no sex. I'll just say it. It was. It was. It was a. It was a real. It was tough. It was real tough. Um, yeah. The, what, what? Like a four-week honeymoon? Yeah. I think I told you we had sex like twice. Yes. And I remember another time you really startled me. <laughs> you really startled me because we're talking. It was like guy talk. Where you know, so how's it going? So how's it going? And you were. Oh man. You were te- you were telling me you were alluding to no sex. You were saying something about how you you said something that just clued me in to the fact that it wasn't happening. And I'm like, well, God, Patrick, aren't you guys having sex? And you're like, well, <sighs> okay. So <laughs> we're not. So there's no sex happening. What was no. it like before you moved to? Um, before you moved to New Hampshire, um, there was a lot of cuddling. I remember my one of my very close friends told me, "If you date another cuddler, I'm gonna slap you." So, so the uh, <laughs> biathlete, she was a cuddler. She was. I, I. She's one I won't kiss and tell. That's cool. Yeah. All right. The rest no, all. No. The rest all. Jason's dish. all about the kissing <laughs> and telling. I don't care. Yeah. So yeah. So you're. Um, so you're a cuddler. A cuddle, I, that's what it had turned into. Cuddle bunny. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the direction I was going. But um, we, yeah, we were in New Hampshire for 11 months, like just wedding of the century, four-week honeymoon in Europe, just crazy great. We went to all these cool places, um, moved back to Park City. And Okay, so yeah. why didn't she want to move to Park City before the marriage? She did. And we were both trying to make it happen. She had a potential job lined up, but it wasn't a lock. I had a job in New Hampshire I could take, so I took the job in New Hampshire. Then we were both able to get jobs back in Park City, hence the 11-month stretch in New Hampshire. Um, But her job kept her on the road two weeks every month, Um, which, you know, I I would like to think I was supportive of. But it was... um, I don't know. I, I I don't want this to sound like a like a one sided. Um, well, no. I mean, it's there's, we, there's always two people think, in a relationship. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to pretend. Takes two to tango. Although I will say, she did tell me once it was 100 percent my fault. I won't do that. <laughs> I will own my part. <laughs> totally understand. Totally understand. Uh, yeah, I've been uh, I've been married three times. So. <laughs> Preaching to the choir, my friend. Preaching to the choir. You got me beat. Right, it doesn't happen often. No. <laughs> um, yeah, my uh, my mom's cousin actually has been married and divorced to the same woman three times. So I'm not really sure, you know, how that uh, compares to us, but still, 
Yeah. He's gone through it three Gosh, times. Going to the restaurant with them must be real tough. They just can't decide. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, yeah. So, okay. So things aren't going things. You had a great honeymoon, mm-hmm. but maybe not the best honeymoon. Not a typical one. Not the from ideal a physical honeymoon. side. We'll say. Right. Right. Yeah. So no, then you move great. back to Park great. City. Yep. And she is, uh, you guys got pretty good jo- jobs that you both like. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Hers was much more stressful than mine. I'm not going to pretend. Okay. Yeah. Yep. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was going well until it wasn't. Okay. So <clears throat> we had uh, another gentleman on our last episode, Nathaniel, and we had him kind of give us his motto or um life advice so i'm just wondering what was how old were you when this second marriage ended hmm 37 36 so what was 36 37 year old patrick's life motto after this second what was his life advice to people hmm i was pretty jaded (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah Never again. Never again. Yep. Yep. All right. I, so I somebody mean, who, comes. Who wants to take advice from somebody that just got divorced for the second time? <laughs> I, you never know. You Certainly never know. Handing out relationship so advice anyway. <laughs> if you can think of it, I mean, if you can think of it, some kid comes up to you. They say they're gonna, you're gonna they're gonna get married. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you've had a couple you know a couple drinks and a couple cigars on yeah. your you know mm-hmm. shirtless porch. Yeah. What do you say to them? Take a beat. Really think about it. Like. Not trying to scare anyone out of anything, but contemplate, really contemplate. Imagine yourself in a year, in five years, in 10 years, in 20 years, in 40 years. Is this the person that you're going to want to be hanging out with? And hopefully the answer is yes. Damnation. Okay, so I was uh, wrangling some beasts outside. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you. What happened to the dogs? Oh, who knows? Um, they, I got. I, she, she might disappear. We'll see. So we we live in the I, we live in the hood. It's a pretty rough neighborhood. So I, I that's sh- why I brought a pit bull. With I me. just got one of the drug. <laughs> I got one of the drug dealer's daughters to look after him in the backyard. They're in the backyard. Oh, oh perfect. With with a bunch. Of, there's like four dogs back there, and it's a big fenced off backyard. So what mm-hmm. I want to know, what did I miss? So you caught us up. There was no sex, and I remember a distinct story of we'd been talking. And you gave yourself away. You said something that <laughs> indicated no sex. My like, Patrick, when was the last time you had sex? And this oh, was yeah. like in May or something. He he blinks and he kind of looks up into the left, you know, recollecting. He's like, um, October. I'm like, what? <laughs> it was Whoa. crazy. Yeah. And I remember like, what? Why? This was there intimacy issues. I even was like, what? Are you are you beating this girl? Like, What's yeah, going on? Was... This is insane. And I remember you're like, she doesn't want to be get pregnant. And I'm like, yep. Okay, so you use a condom, you use birth control. She can't use birth control, you know, factor four of this, uh, mm-hmm. all, all this stuff. I'm like, okay, so you use a condom. Well, she doesn't trust condoms. And I'm thinking, this doesn't sound right. This is not checking out. Mm-hmm. How did you survive through all that? I mean, like, where you, uh, that's a lot of pent-up uh, yeah. lust, frustration. Uh, did you get insecure about that? I mean, were you like... <sighs> yeah, of course. Oh, my God. Yeah, how could you not? That's brutal. Like, what's man. the matter with me? What am I doing wrong? So but. when... Okay... I'm gonna make it about me for a quick second. What? I got, uh, I got diagnosed with this crazy ass tumor in my head that mm-hmm. year. It was the size of a of a fucking apricot. The doctor said, "I'm sorry, you have a tumor in your head." I'm like, "Doc, what did you say? You got the wrong file. You got the wrong guy. You got the wrong life." Mm-hmm. 
you, there's, there's been some sort of mistake, but the MRI showed it. You were my most, one of my most concerned friends. Pharaoh, you could have given a tinker's damn, but Patrick, <laughs> you, you were, you were concerned. Patrick was so concerned that when they uh, biopsied it, and it was a cancer toss-up for a month, the doctor looked me right in the eyes. He said, "Jason, it could be cancer." If it's a criteria for various forms of nasal carcinomas, I'm not saying it is, but it could be. Be prepared for that. Friends are freaking out. Family's freaking out. You know, Jordan's freaking out. Patrick was my most concerned friend. In the room, when the doctor came in to give us the results, or whether it was cancer, yay or nay, was me, my mom, my sister, and this fucking guy, Patrick. <laughs> yeah. Patrick came. Mm -hmm. he, he, he refused not to come. And then... <laughs> to top that, he treated my family to an Indian lunch afterwards and paid the bill mm -hmm. without ceremony and secretly. Mm -hmm. Who is this guy? You know, so he's loyal as a dog. He's loyal as a bloodhound. And so he, w w when I had this uh, diagnosis, he told his wife at the time. And I was doing my radio show up in Park City, and you were a frequent guest on the show. Mm -hmm. And it was a cold, wintry night, oh, much yeah. like this. And suddenly we looked down the street and there was your wife waving up at us to get our attention. She was wearing a backpack and she had walked a pretty sizable chunk of distance all the way to the radio show to bring me homemade cookies she had made for me in that backpack because she had heard about my tumor. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe the gesture. And I never saw her again. Yep. A week later, what happened? Um, it was like it was not soon after. Tell no, us about that night. You called me. I'm gonna mm -hmm. set you up. You gave me a call. I don't know the exact day. Yeah. You gave me a call. And you said, "Well, it's over." Yeah. Like she left. I don't have a wife anymore. I'm like, "What?" I'm like, yeah. "Patrick, where are you?" And you're like, "I'm walking down the trail with a bottle of scotch in one hand and a cigar in the other." I'm like, oh. "I get out the phone." You remember this? Clearly not. Dude, I, mean, I, I had a bottle of scotch in his hand. How is he going to remember this? <laughs> I, I talked to Joe. I get out the phone. I'm like, hey, you want to go drive around Park City and find Patrick <laughs> on foot who is cigaring and drinking and could get a public intoxication job? <laughs> Important question. Yeah. You don't remember, but if you could say or your hope, your dream, <laughs> what was the scotch? Oban 14. Yes. Almost certainly. But yes. Um, Looks like your memory's getting better. Yeah. Uh -huh. No, no, no. I, I was, I, I don't remember that specific detail, but now I'm trying to remember that. The arc of that day was very strange. What Clearly. happened? <laughs> what happened? Um, well, she was going to take a like a three-day weekend for the first time in months and months and months that she was taking time off and it was her birthday weekend it was memorial day weekend i had planned a trip through some of the parks down south i was very excited we're supposed to leave like thursday night i think it was sunday or monday she's like i'm really tired can i just stay home or can you know can we just stay home it's like of course of course you know like you're traveling all the time i get it totally get it yeah we're, we're gonna stay here we're gonna chill i'll take care of you Next day, I might go to my parents' place. I'm feeling pretty burned out. Honestly, thinking, well, this, this is, is her parents' place in Florida, in right? Beautiful Orlando, Florida. <laughs> wow, nice plug. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> um, I like Orlando. I mean, I've only been there for you know two weeks at a time, three or four times, but 
I no. thought it was. I thought it was cool. Thank you, Pharaoh. I, <laughs> All right. Thank you're welcome, Orlando. My yeah, God. There is the plug, yeah. I love the people of Orlando and the Orlando Fringe Festival, which I hope to do again sometime soon. Back to you <laughs> in the studio, Patrick. Thank you, Pharaoh. Patrick. <laughs> um Yeah, so she gets on a plane and I'm a little confused. I still go to the desert because I love the desert. I mean, I'm not gonna waste that time. <laughs> Nice, good for you. Um, got in touch with her Monday to find out when I could pick her up at the airport, and she said, I'm not coming back. I've never seen her since. And he never saw her again. The craziest thing about this, yeah. he calls never me, he's like, again. well, that's it. And he's you know walking down the street with a bottle and a cigar. Mm-hmm. They never saw each other again. Now, it didn't, that wasn't the plan, but she reached out to you a few weeks later like, hey, I'm coming back to Park City to get my stuff. Thought mm-hmm. we could get some coffee, sit down. Uh, get some closure, she talk. Closure. You're like, fuck you and fuck your closure, right? You I never wanted to see her again. I just thought, I, I mean, I was married. I took a, I, I, I made a commitment to somebody. I was not just thrown in the towel. That's right. nuts. 11 months, we didn't even make it a year. It was 11 months. Holy we got shit. married in June and she left in May. And it just, it baffled me. And she, yeah. A couple of her quotes that it was 100% my fault and we had tried everything or she had tried everything, which in 11 months, you can't even begin to, to start to try things. So what happened with her stuff? Um, I moved out of the apartment and I'm trying to remember. I think I went you sublet it fully furnished. <laughs> <laughs> no, she timed it perfectly. The, the owner was selling it and I didn't know that it had been communicated to her. So, our lease was up. Yeah. No, she, she nailed it. This she, was abrupt and savage. This was... For this those was... of you who can't see, I had just had the oh shit face. <laughs> now, Which I, is everybody. I, I'm going to stop see. you right here because about her stuff. Now, you went on a second honeymoon with me, yes. yours truly. Yep. Him and I went to Quebec and canoed Le Bonaventure River for a week. Where for four days we didn't see anyone, anything but Atlantic salmon and moose. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. And then the only people we did see were only fly fishermen who only spoke French. Mm-hmm. It was amazingly rugged, amazingly beautiful. And then we went back. We had driven from New Hampshire through Maine, New Brunswick, into Quebec and hit mm-hmm. this river. And we went all the way back. <laughs> and then we packed up your entire life and her entire life. Yes. Because she wasn't there. She was off working. I moved all her shit with you. Yeah. In a U-Haul and two vehicles, and we drove mm-hmm. from New Hampshire to motherfucking Park City. It took four days. Mm-hmm. So I have a vested inter- interest in her stuff and what became of it. I got a dog in this fight. So <laughs> when I hear that she was cavalier about this stuff, yeah, what the hell? Um, well, it was rather ironic. I moved out. I, I, move, uh, I, I live a Spartan lifestyle. I just Very don't spot. have much stuff. And so basically when I left, it looked like the exact same way that it was when she left it. So she had an apartment full of stuff to move. Um, for all I know, actually, I'm just throwing this one out there. I think she still lives with her parents in Florida. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. We're talking like we're all talking shit. three and a half years now. My anyway, God. I have no idea. So you never saw her again. Never it was like, fuck you, fuck your closure. Again. Why did you want to see her again? When she offered, hey, let's sit down, let's talk. I want to say some things to you. You can say some things to me. To me, talking meant trying to figure out what was going on with the relationship and getting it back on track. For her, it was just, I think she needed that. And I was not willing to give that satisfaction to her. Now, I'm going to get personal here. We're going to go even deeper. Yeah. That was a 
that had severe um, consequences on your mental health. Oh, yeah. So what happened? Oh, I, I threatened that I was going to take my life. It was a right. whole scene. Policemen, guns. Um, now, didn't you punch a cop or like? No. I, oh, I my gosh. No, I've never hit a person what, in my life. What happened? I thought like. <laughs> no, you like, like, I was. I was real cheeky with them. You were cheeky. I was cheeky with them. Witty with them? What, witty Very. With bon mots? Like you had witty remarks? Yes. To... Yes. Yes. I, I believe one of them said, think of your children. And I was like, oh, that's funny. I actually <laughs> didn't get to have kids with my oh, wife God. that left me. Thanks so for they, bringing that they up. They throw you in the clink. They, they throw you in with the, like the, the psych ward, right? It was it was intense. Yeah. They... um. They drugged me to unconsciousness. Yeah, you like sedated and yeah. Then you, I, 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 mean, I don't mean to push the issue, but like, didn't orderlies have to dogpile you? You like knocked over one of those computers or something, or like it got rowdy. It got. Oh rowdy. yeah, there were like four or five people holding me. Down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was not going quietly into the night. And Once what, that, this was at the hospital. I was right. At the that legit. point, they started drugging me, and I was freaking out. And the next time I saw you. Mm-hmm. It was uh, one flew over to cuckoo's nest, my man. It Every, was everything you see in the movies is about as real as it gets. Okay, next time I saw you, I had to check my keys and sharps at, at, at the door. It was all these locking doors. Hopefully, and you sandals. were eating uh, lunch with a spork with no shoes and mm-hmm. a, and pants without a belt, two sizes yeah. too big. Yeah, and yeah. it was wild, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, you seemed as normal as you are now, but <laughs> there were severe consequences yeah. uh, there in the aftermath yeah. of, of that. Oh yeah, I was I was distraught. And you never saw her again. No. Now, what happened to your heart? I'm not I'm not talking figuratively. I'm talking literally. We're coming up on something's wrong with your heart again. Oh, well, I I knew that the first surgery had had a an end date. It was it was going to expire. They said ten to fifteen years. I mean, and I was sixteen years out at that point. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh yeah, you, you know when you should change the oil in your in your car, and you're just you just keep ignoring. You're it looking at that e. until the oil you're light comes on. Looking at that on, e yeah. on the fuel tank, <laughs> exactly like that. Yes, you're looking at that e. Yeah, and you're just you're like, right. no, I can take it a little further. Yep. Yep. The lights come on. It says 25 more miles. I think I can go yeah. 35. Yeah, I'm not stopping until it just <laughs> comes to a grinding halt. Stubborn yeah. as a mule. <laughs> Next thing you know, it's Thelma and Louise right over that cliff. <laughs> I was I was pegging it towards that for sure, yeah. So you had to get. So I'm gonna clip this along. Mm-hmm. So then you met a French woman mm-hmm. who you started dating with, and yes. this is rapid. In fact, by all accounts, people were concerned at the rapidity of it. I backed yeah. you up. I wanted to see you happy. Yeah. But you soon fell in and and in rapid love with this French woman. Yes. Tell us about that and what leads up to a second open heart surgery um so once again making great life decisions start dating a coworker. there were exactly two of us in this Perfect. company she and I. Um, <laughs> you no, dated we, half the we, company you hooked. we both had to travel for work we traveled together to california uh talk about red flags she was getting out of her marriage um i still wasn't no i guess i was technically divorced at that point but we're talking like Four months. It was it was like a blip in time. Like yes, from May to November. And you came at me lit more. up. You're like, I've met this incredible woman. Oh, she <laughs> was, I was like, holy shit! What? Her. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I had been. I mean, I'll just say it. I was sleeping my way around Park City, like no <laughs> one's business. And then all of a sudden, I was like, whoa, hold up, found one. So, um, yeah, started dating. Had to see a cardiologist because it had been years. 
switching back. Well, there, were there problems? Things. I remember there was problems with performance, like trail running and biking. Yeah. You were lagging. You were feeling yeah. no power. It, yep. You were you were constantly out of breath. You're like, this isn't me. This isn't me. Yeah, because I'd like to think I'm a little bit active. And this guy's athletic. He's very humble, guys. You're listening to an athlete. He's he, he's a world class biathlon. I don't care what he says. He trail runs. He bikes. He he's he's a tank. He's got he's got an engine in there, man. And so this wasn't him. His mm-hmm. performance was lagging. Yeah, yeah. So our cardiologist, I'll never forget. He comes in. He's a very mild mannered man. And he just looks at me and goes, that is an ugly valve. Oof. I was like, oh, that, that's, that's probably not good. <laughs> so you're in this relationship with this French woman. You moved in mm-hmm. rapidly with her. Um, by April. Yeah. By April we were, well, she kind of moved in with me. It wasn't official. She still owned a house, but we were spending all of our time together pretty fast. Like we're talking within weeks. And then suddenly she finds herself in kind of a caretaker role, right? Because you had to get cut open again. Yeah, they sliced me open again. That was April 2018. My family did come out. Um, kind and of I, man, one, I visited you in the hospital, yeah. and you looked like grim death, man. I remember. Yeah. A few days out, it was like four days after your heart surgery, and this guy, get this, they, they gave him when they cut you open, they give you a pillow for all this money. They give you a heart-shaped <laughs> pillow. It's shaped like, uh, like, uh, sort of like a Valentine's heart, but it has the. Uh, the the landscape of the actual anatomical heart across it as decor, and it's like a little plush pillow, and he hugged it to his chest, and they helped him out of his bed, and they were like, "Time to go for a walk," mm-hmm. and a walk was around the wing, you know, with with his uh, you know all his IVs and you know wheeling tray with. It's like him. having an entourage. And he was hunched forward like Quasimodo, and he was hugging this plush heart pillow to his chest, and he was taking the shallowest little steps. Mm-hmm. We're talking after having this whole rib cage separated, you know, four days prior, and he's he's doing this like, and we went for a walk, and it was <laughs> it was the most painful and heroic thing I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> he was like, he was really getting impatient. I was moving so I mean, slowly. On, I mean, dude, <laughs> well, good to see you. Pick it up. <laughs> Holy shit! I didn't think you'd be this hurt. <laughs> All hard, Hackney, all hard. <laughs> oh, Patrick, I dropped my phone. Could you pick it up for me? <laughs> oh, man. So I'm going to go to the cafeteria while you get that phone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you got a minute. Take your, take your time. Yeah. Remember, uh, lift with your back, not your legs. <laughs> so, so you cut over for the second time. Mm-hmm. You got this gnarly 12-inch scar across your ribcage this day. Mm-hmm. Even now, if we are being quiet, you can hear his heart. It's a telltale goddamn heart from Edgar Allan Poe. All right, put it right against it. That is his heart. <laughs> it's literally, It's literally like... Because you you got rubber into uh, actual tissue, right? You got uh, yeah, it's, you got some yeah, hardware. It's a polymer of some sort, I think. I don't oh know. my I, god! I, I didn't really pay. So attention. that's a, so that's that that you know, I got we got ten minutes left with you, so I really want to get through everything. So that was your second heart surgery. In yep. the meantime, you're you're with this French woman, but then that starts heading south. Yep. I'm gonna set the stage for you. Here's what I remember from this story. Mm-hmm. Tell me if it's accurate. Oh gosh. Okay, her mom's visiting from France. Yep. You're at your place. Mm-hmm. The Wi-Fi goes out or something. Patrick, can you fix the Wi-Fi? And you mm-hmm. go into the room. You fix the Wi-Fi. And suddenly on our computer screen, bong, 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 all these messages pop up mm-hmm. from a guy in France mm-hmm. between her and this guy. It's yep. in French. Yep. But you recognize this guy's name mm-hmm. as 
an old flame of hers, yes. the one that got away, air yep. quotes, that she has always talked about. Mm-hmm. You recognize the name, even though you can't understand a conversation, even though you're a worldly biathlon coach traveler, you're still <laughs> like, what the fuck does this say? There are some French words in there I didn't understand. You I'll call her way. into the room very calmly. Mm-hmm. Hey, I wasn't snooping, but I just found this. What's going on? She goes stone quiet. You say, well, would you mind translating this for me? And she says, no. Yeah. Yeah. And just, I, I want to make sure. Sh- yeah. I wasn't creeping. She handed me her French phone to connect it to the Wi-Fi. Oh, and even more like. That's when I saw all the messages just come up on the screen. And I actually didn't think much of it at the time. It was like the one that really stood out was the the old emoji with the heart eyes. And I like the name came up and I kind of registered it. And it was hours later. And I was like, wait a minute. I think I know this name. Um, but yeah, I asked, would you tell me what the exchanges were about? And then, uh, made another great decision a few days later and brought her to a wedding where I was the best man. Oh my God. Yeah. And I'm, oh, my sister always right. She's like, just think about whether you want her in the pictures or not. Turns out I don't. Um, oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, I tried to make things right. Um, but more and more of that relationship kept coming to light. She'd been in France. They'd been in touch. She was going to France again. She'd been very odd about me going with her. Yeah. So it's like, what do you think was going on? Oh, I mean, I don't think anything had happened to her defense, but uh, it was it was betrayal of its own right. Man, I hear and, your heart and, beating. And of its I, own I, I hear your heart beating harder yeah. right now. <laughs> I literally hear it from yeah. here. So, but what we skipped over was your third heart surgery. So you had oh, the yeah. fucking second one. Right. Yeah. You're with this woman like a year. Yeah. A year later, mm-hmm. almost days apart, year anniversary, there's shit going wrong again. Yep. You go to the doctor. They look at it. Again, they're like, holy shit, surgery. This one was rapid. Yep. What yep. happened? What? This is insane. I started getting sick in February and couldn't figure out what was going on. They did. They were running tests. They were talking brain cancer, testicular cancer, MS. Like No one had oh any idea. God. They thought maybe I picked something up in the desert. So much. Oh so yeah, many, I remember that so stupid theory of like some people are allergic to the dust, the cryptobiotic yeah, soils, virus. Like, oh, it's crazy. Like yeah, they, far they, just, they were doing so many. Yeah, just so that many means tests. we're both goners. If that's the case, give me a break. The yeah, desert yeah, made exactly. you come on. I know. I thought for the amount of the time out, spent your outdoor there. lifestyle has killed you. Yeah, that that would have been tough. But no, it turned out it was an infection on the hardware, and since the hardware is not vascular, you can't kill it with antibiotics. So you have to go in and cut it out. And I remember you were like, <laughs> I can't fucking do this again. I can't. I, I, I would like to think I was later. pretty brave with the first two, but the third one. Yeah, it's such I, a horrendous recovery, man. It was a year and five days in between. I've watched and you recover. It's just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's nothing. It was too fresh. It was just too fresh in my memory. Um, but Open yeah, I, I was. Again. They they did this very definitive test i was driving home my cardiologist called me on his cell phone and said please go to an emergency room (laughs) wherever you're going cancel it and i remember i was talking to one of the medical professionals and i said what if i don't want to do this and he looked me in the eye and said i give you a week oh my god and so i was like well i guess i'm doing this oh my god i i cried all night and then i remember i remember you called me and and this is again to credit to julie she stayed with me she stayed the whole night she was there. She was a good support. You you told me, and this was a stretch on a relationship. So this, mm-hmm. in the time you were with her, you had two open heart surgeries. Yeah, that's a lot. And that's a lot. so it's a lot of stress. And then as you're recovering from this open heart surgery, that's when you find the messages, find yes. the infidelity. Yes, this is only yeah two months after. And then again, 
they push you off the deep end yep. mental health wise yeah. again yep. you get thrown into clink tell me about that real quick this one was kind of a bs moment <laughs> this one yeah round one i should have been in there this time uh i always say i my decision to do laundry is what landed me in the loony bin um i'd gone home i was just i was we were in a bad spot she and i um, living together but the relationship was on the rocks anyway a lot of stress and i was just going to disappear into the woods for a few days which is how i was dealing with it um and i was like you know what i'm gonna have a few drinks and throw some laundry in because she's not getting home till late because she's working yeah she wasn't working um so she gets home laundry's in i'm drinking commence yelling match um and I was getting a little out of hand, not physically at all. Just I was saying really dangerous stuff towards myself. And she called the cops three, not one, not two, but three sheriffs show up, which seems kind of ridiculous. I was calmly sitting on a bed when they walk in um, and she insisted that they take me. Insisted that I be taken away. Um, and I was. And shit. when that happens, they've got to do something with you and they put me into a rehab uh, ward as oh an alcoholic. Oh my god! And I remember while you're while you're locked away, she got rid of all your stuff and kicked you out. No, that happened a little later. No, that's true. She did move. Well, the majority of my stuff out. That's that's a whole different story. The the balance <sighs> of it, wherever that ended up. Um, no, she did. And in the meantime, was telling me that she would pick me up at the hospital. And in the same moment, she probably had the phone on her ear packing my stuff up, telling me she'd be there for me. Um, but yeah, came out to having no home. <laughs> it's crazy. So like I said, guys, he's pro you know, we're talking three open heart surgeries, talking by a rich biathlon coaching background. We're talking crazy relationships. But in all this, Utah's played an important role in your mm -hmm. life. We don't have much time left with you, but I want to talk about the new tattoo on your uh -huh. left bicep. Yes. On this tattoo is Utah. The yeah. perimeter is built of a bike chain. Here, show it to me. The perimeter is built of a bike chain. Um, on the bottom, the eastern half of the state is a slot canyon representing uh, southern Utah. In the northern left quadrant of the state is a snowflake representing the greatest snow on earth. And scrolled across the bottom southern border of the state are four initials in old Romanesque font. They are... Can you read them? Twist that. Let me dislocate your elbow. M-S-A-J. Well, I think the most important one is the J. It stands <laughs> for... John? <laughs> John, Terry. Didn't have the heart to tell you. No. I couldn't um. believe this. I couldn't believe it. Tell me about this tattoo and, uh, and why Utah has been such an important part of your life. Oh, this is, this is the greatest space on earth. It really is. Um, the desert has completely... Yeah, just I'm I'm um enamored with it. Um obviously like you said, best snow on earth. We we just we've got everything here. Yeah, it really is great. Um there's a bad inversion though, so don't show up. Um <laughs> Yeah. So the the letters, uh, that's my that's my Utah crew, Mike, Sarah, Amy, and Jason. Oh. That's the the order in which I met them. And the other day, like like a month ago, it's a fresh tattoo. Yeah, it's pretty fresh. He says well, I got to show you my new tattoo. You're on it. And I was like, ha, I'm laughing. He's texting me. I'm like, he's kidding. He's kidding. But he was dead serious. Next day I see him and he shows me this J. He's like, that's you. And brother, I'm moved. You touch me. Yeah. 
And I, I couldn't believe that. I've never had real estate on another person's body through tattoo. Yeah. Unless, well, Farrell, unless you're not telling me something. <laughs> I touch him all the time. He never <laughs> gives me that reaction. <laughs> Somebody's jealous. So Utah's played an integral part in your life. Yeah. And I'm so glad you came out to Utah because I never would have met you yeah. otherwise. We've shared some incre- incredible adventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, final words, some final parting words from you. Yeah, I want to... Um I want to go back to um, what, uh, how is your life motto or your life advice for, you know, somebody that comes up to you um, looking for words of wisdom? How has that changed from, you know, four or five years ago to now? I mean, having two more open heart surgeries, Mm -hmm. you know, and another, you know, couple stints in the, in the uh, psych wards. Mm-hmm. And After everything you've yeah, been I've been through the loony bin. I just don't want to. I don't want to talk about my experience. <laughs> but yeah, what would you? I don't. I don't know. What is your life advice? Your your life motto? What did? What do you think? Really rings true for you. I think at this point, for me, it's every day is a bonus. Mm. If I want to get frustrated, if I want to get upset, if I want to get mad. If, yeah, I just think this is a bonus day. They're all bonuses right now. Nice. That's mm-hmm. a positive outlook. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know that I have great advice for anyone. I can just say that that's my motto that has uh, definitely been something I'm I'm going back to. Patrick Coffey, you're an incredible guy. You've had a very interesting life. Thank you for talking to us about surgeries, about women, about everything, about biathlon, informing the viewers of listeners of what the hell that is. Yeah. And I'm really glad I had you on. You're 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 special to me, and I know he's. I'm special to him because there's a fucking J (laughs) on his arm within a Utah tattoo. (laughs) Take that, Pharaoh. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I've been tattooed by people, but I've never been put on a tattoo. Um, Yeah, my mouth tends to get me in a lot of trouble. Um, Yeah. Well. Thank you again, Patrick, for coming on, and uh, thank you to our listeners, and please remember that the views and opinions expressed by Hack Attack are not exactly (laughs) the views and opinions shared by John Farrow. (laughs) Anyway, thank you for listening. This is us signing off. Thanks, brother. Peace out, everybody. See ya. was said just when you thought everything was done we're back again well because we've got two very important topics that we started at the top of the show and due to time constraints and just more interesting conversation we totally blew them off i don't know about more interesting because this is very pertinent very relevant and our audience will be very interested so i'm gonna set the stage years ago there i am i'm at patrick's house What's the first thing we're talking about? This is the BDC Club. The what? The BDC Club. Wait, 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 wait. I feel it like the C. Be the BDC. Yeah, I feel like the C is is <laughs> redundant. <laughs> or oh, it's like it. saying ASAP as possible. So C is club. Okay, the C is BD club. club. The BD Club. BD there we go. Club. The BD Club. Okay. All right, the BD Club. Now. Yeah, we, you're right. We talked about it right at the beginning of the show. We failed to circle back. Here we are. This is the bonus round. <laughs> this is the exhibition match. So 
there I am. I'm at Patrick's house. This is when he's dating wife number two at the time. I need like eye drops or something trivial from his bathroom. And I'm rummaging through the drawers of his bathroom and I come across something shocking, something hallowed, something sacred, something I don't often see. Magnum condoms. A whole box of Magnum condoms. I'm like, holy shit. My boy's endowed. My boy's hung like a mule. <laughs> what, what, is that, what does that really say about Jason, though, that he's never, he doesn't often <laughs> see these? No. I don't, I don't think. I go with the micros. The, 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 they're called the minimums. And uh, <laughs> so just, just literally baby lamb skin. They're technically, literally lambs. They're technically a large because there is a Magnum XL. <laughs> Which means that a normal condom is technically a medium. I'm All just right. putting that out there. <laughs> <laughs> so we established that C is club. We got that. It's not that's not B D C C as in club club. It's just B D C as in C is club. So I think we're gonna have to go with B being Shall we I always yeah, as as has been mentioned, it's a big club. It's a big club. It's a big club. Big club. Lot, lots of members or just really? Actually, only three. Literally there are lots of members. There's only three. How did you get into this club? Uh, by it was I was I was. Is it by invite only? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> How did you know? Uh, how were you voted into this club? Was, Is there a secret handshake? Can I say it was endowed upon me? <laughs> <laughs> You just did. Yeah. But seriously, <laughs> how how does one be in the BD club? We have to know the president. Oh, shit. Yeah. All right, so tell me the story. How'd this go down? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> go up. Yeah. Trade, Trade secrets. Happen. Never Trade secrets. Happen. Um, no, it was just, it was started by a friend of mine, and he really sealed the deal. He made us all, um, they look like a, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Um, diploma. And it's it's on like this beautiful cardstock. Um, I actually did. I had it hung behind my door. He had it hung. <laughs> yes, it he was, had it hung behind his door. But then he took hung. the diploma and put it on his wall. <laughs> <laughs> so it is. It's actually it's quite a beautiful uh, piece of memorabilia, if you will, um, for oh, for all three of us that are touching. in the BDC. It's touching. And so, you know, how. <laughs> How did he know? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We're that ridiculous. Um, ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that haven't caught up yet, what we're talking about right now, I don't know. Do you think the audience has figured it out by now? I would I would assume that they know that it's the Big Dick Club. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he said it. Okay, how did he know that you're a big dick? I mean, how did this happen? And I know. Have you ever heard of a devil's threesome? A devil's threesome is with two dudes and one chick. Mm -hmm. You have a devil. She had two of the three members. <laughs> <laughs> Strangely enough, we're all going to hell. <laughs> I'm laughing if all the way. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> so he was like, yeah. wow, bro, I'm impressed. <laughs> Listen, I got this club. <laughs> oh, man. That is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I'm very proud of you. I am. Um, you know, it not not everyone is like I you, worked really Patrick. hard at it. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> not everyone is not everyone's like you, Patrick. Yeah. And you should be proud. Mm -hmm. You should be proud. Mm -hmm. 
and you are proud. Now, <laughs> what was the second thing you wanted oh, to circle back yeah, to? The second remember. thing we got to circle back to is this life and death river trip that apparently oh, you took this oh, other oh, poor group oh, on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. So there we are. <laughs> so I get it. So <laughs> I, I'm thinking here you guys are paddling along. Then all of a sudden the BD over here tries to sink the ship <laughs> like a torpedo. <laughs> Like Hunt for Red October or something <laughs> like that? Now, there was some peril on the uh, river in Quebec. There where was, there we, was. Remember, we put in the canoes. We're good, and we're, we're, we're at the bottom of a waterfall trying to find a way up. And Patrick screams, the canoes! And we look up, and the canoes, <laughs> laden with all our gear, respectively, are heading towards the edge of the falls. <laughs> you ever try to sprint up a waterfall <laughs> to stop a canoe from going over the edge? I have. I have not. <laughs> well, let me tell you something, Sonny. It ain't no walk in the park. It ain't no Sunday picnic. Holy shit. But that's not what we're talking about. So we got a gig. It was a portaging gig. Uh, a, a, a porter gig. Where? <laughs> porter gig. Porter. No, not Mel Gibson from Payback. A porter gig is... <laughs> that's right. If you hadn't figured it out yet, folks, the common theme in our podcast is Mel Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> porter as importing gear. So a buddy of mine, he owns a canyoneering company down in Moab. And he landed a unique commission, a German reality show, sort of like a German Bear Grylls who um, pits himself against the wild and is a rugged do-it-yourselfer, really popular in Germany. He takes out German celebrities and see if they got what it takes. And they had picked the Utah desert in July. Leave it to Germans, so much for German efficiency to do this. And my buddy of mine who owns the company said, we need... Uh, porters who are in shape, capable, know the area, and who I can trust. You came to mind. I need you and one other guy you trust, and you're going to be hauling like 90-pound packs every day. Seven ga- you know, there was a big party so of Germans, and we had to give them a gallon of water per day and their MREs, that's yep. meals ready to eat, army rations. Mm-hmm. And as they were moving through this wilderness area, we had to come at them from a different angle every day and figure out their position and order by morning to give them their food and water for the day. Otherwise, they're toast. Yeah, yeah, because they were on the muddy river. You cannot. It's it's a river, but you cannot get potable water out of it. Oh, it's it's red it's, with yeah, sediment. It's, yeah, it's some sand with some. You water couldn't even use a filter on that thing. No. Nope. Strain it through a shirt, sure, if you're in a survival situation, but no, mm. no, 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 no. And we're talking death marching with these 90-pound packs through gluey mud, knee-deep water, slot canyons, mm-hmm. you know, dry waterfalls climbing up. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, Patrick got submerged. He, uh, he, this, this gluey quicksand mud grabbed him, was pulling him under, and I had to pull him up by his chest strap of his pack. His head was going <laughs> underwater. It's like, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. But, but whenever we found him, remember the morning we found them, because uh, it had been a huge hike. It was. It was a, and people often will say, "I just need to qualify." These were truly eighty to ninety pound packs. I mean, truly. definitively. Cause no, no, truly. We're not we, exaggerating. We know, we know how much water weighs. A gallon of water we weighs X. Exactly. The MRIs weighed this and that, and yeah. the capa- These were big capacity packs. We're talking death marching in the heat, in the mud, in the yeah. water, and they clapped when we got into camp. They, the Germans started applauding us. Yeah. Uh, but that was, that was a special thing to do with you. You were my mm-hmm. ace. You were my right-hand man. Yeah. And we did it, man, on three separate days mm-hmm. as I went through a very rugged area yeah. of uh, Sinbad country mm-hmm. in Muddy Creek, which is a beautiful wilderness area in the San Rafael Swell. So, uh, yeah, it, 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 that was a really unique experience to have with you. Yeah. I loved that. Yeah. No, I 
that's one of the stories that you cannot tell somebody in a short sentence or no. in a breath or two because they're like, wait a minute, German TV, reality, Pouring desert, water. Port- they needed food. You took it to Yeah, them. yeah. It's there's there's a lot of uh, it was a lot there. Yeah, it, it's it's not it's not a standard story. And this German guy, this, this, his name's Connie Ryman, mm-hmm. and it was called Connie Goes Wild. Was the show that they were shooting it for? I've seen the episode; it's great. But he is all about whole foods. He doesn't eat processed foods, and MREs are by definition processed. These are uh, soldiers in foxholes eating these rations, meals ready to eat. It's U.S. Army issue. And he refused to eat them. And so we had the, you know, he, he was only eating um, apples and bananas for like days. It was like only apples for days of this like death march in July. And we were really concerned about it. And when they finished, I'm at my truck, at my pickup truck, and I had a cooler. And there was salsa in the cooler. And he comes up and he looks in and he's like, can I have some salsa? And I say, sure. Would you like it? I have chips. No, 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 no. Just the salsa. I'm like, all right. And I, like, what, you want, like, in a cup? He's like, yeah, that's great, a cup. And I put it in, like, a cup, and he drinks it. He drinks this whole cup of salsa. It's like chunks of mango and onion and, and tomato, and everyone's laughing. He's like, ah. He's like, you, I'm like, you want more? He's like, yeah, yeah, just please, more? I'm like, sure. I top him off with the salsa, and he drinks the second cup. I'm like, this guy is cast iron this guy is on like yeah <laughs> yeah he, he was made a, out of leather he was a real deal made out of leather drinking yeah. salsa he'd been on he'd lived on like apples water and s- my salsa for like yeah. days of some serious <laughs> desert terrain yeah yeah and again july it's not you, yeah it, it was a desert mistake. is not a place to be in july. anyway thank you for elaborating on yeah. the bd club <laughs> you should be proud <laughs> and i was proud to share that mission with you that's b BD, not VD. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Farrell, for cleaning yeah. that up. Luckily, not in that club, yeah. <laughs> and uh, when I'm buying my uh, minimum condoms, uh, the micros, extra, 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 extra small, <laughs> I will be thinking of you and what it must be like to be in your pants? Shoes? What? <laughs> I don't know. Magnums. <laughs> All right, Patrick Coffey. You the man. I love you. I cherish you. And I appreciate you. Thanks for being on. Yeah. Thank you again, sir. Appreciate it. Signing off. Till the next time.